The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. You think people need to either forgive themselves or forgive others before they die? Absolutely. Forgive yourself first and forgive others. There is no point keeping pride, vengeance, spite, stubbornness, these things. Forgive yourself first and forgive others. I'm Mitch Album, and welcome to this edition of Tuesday People, a podcast based on the book Tuesdays with Maury and the experiences that I just described in the intro that you heard and the wisdom that I gained from my old professor Maury Schwartz, whose voice you just heard, talking about a topic that we're going to deal with today, forgiveness. Tuesdays with Maury, for those of you who weren't familiar with it, and we don't expect you to be, to listen to the podcast, was a book that came out of visits that I had with an old college professor of mine who I was very close with back in the 70s when I was in college and promised that I would stay in touch with. And then when I graduated and went off into the world to pursue all kinds of ambitious things and accomplishments and successes, I forgot about for 16 years, never stayed in touch with him despite how close we were in college. And then after 16 years, saw him on TV talking to Ted Koppel on the Nightline program about what it was like to die from Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And it was only through that chance flipping of the remote control that I found out that this man who I cared about so much was only going to be alive perhaps for a few more months. And I began to go visit him one Tuesday and then another Tuesday and then another Tuesday. And it turned into all the Tuesdays that he had left in his life. And we took a last class in what was important in life once you really realize you're going to die, as you heard me say in the intro. And so that's what we're doing here now, many years later, as I am now closer to Maury's age than I, I am to the age I was when I was visiting him as a younger man. And a lot of the wisdom that Maury taught me has really come full circle and has become the way that I live as well. And so we take each week a topic that Maury and I spoke about at some point during those Tuesdays with Maury visits, and we revisit it in light of how we're living today and talk about how it applies to our lives today. And that brings us to where we are. And I want to say hi to my co-host and wonderful producer, Lisa Goich. Lisa, always great to have you alongside. Hello, Mitch, and everybody else out there in Tuesday People land. So as you heard Maury make reference, this is going to be a show about forgiveness. And I picked it for this week in particular because we are a few weeks away from the Christmas holiday, the Hanukkah holiday, the holiday holidays, when we're making this podcast. And this is frequently a time of year, Lisa, I find that people with family or friendship issues kind of find them at the forefront. Am I going to go visit that person that I've been kind of at odds with this year? Am I going to invite that family member 
who I've been fighting with to come for Christmas. Is this going to be another holiday season where I don't expect a phone call from the people I grew up with and they better not expect a phone call from me? Is this going to be another time that I go to the mailbox expecting to hear from that long lost friend and once again I'm disappointed despite the fact that I sent out a letter yet again, I sent out a Christmas card yet again and got nothing in return. How bitter do I want to be over these holidays? What grudges do I want to hold on to? What forgiveness do I not want to extend? And as someone who has gone through many incidents in his life where there were some long-term differences that ultimately got resolved, and some cases of long-term differences that never did get resolved, I know that this is a really important topic. And I want to tell you that I visited with Maury for many, many weeks, many, many Tuesdays, Lisa, and Maury wasn't opposed to crying over topics. He did. But I never saw him cry as much as we discussed this particular topic of forgiveness. And I'll tell you how it came about. So I walked into Maury's study, as I did every Tuesday. And on this particular Tuesday, I looked up on the shelf, and there was a bust of Maury. A bust. It was head, (laughs) sculpted. Like Shakespeare. (laughs) Yeah, which I had never noticed before. And I don't really know a lot of people who have had busts sculpted of them, except Mozart, the little one that they put on the piano, or Beethoven. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I said, "Uh, what's that about? That bust. And he said, oh, well, that's my good friend Norman. And I said, Norman, I've been coming here for a long time, and I never heard the name Norman. And he explained a little to me who Norman was. Listen. I don't know if I told you the story about this great friend of mine who was a psychiatrist, a sculptor. We had a terrific relationship. And we were great friends for many years. Then they moved to Chicago. Okay, so we know Norman was a good friend of his. We know Norman, in addition to being a psychiatrist, was a sculptor. Okay. Here's where the story about Norman got very interesting. And here's where Maury's demeanor changed when he started to tell me about what happened to their friendship. Listen. And after they moved to Chicago, my wife had a serious operation. And they did not, and I knew they knew about it, because friends of ours told us they told them about it. Mm-hmm. And they did not in any way get in touch with her. So we were both very hurt. So we dropped the relationship. And I met him a couple of times, and he made a gesture to try to reconcile. And I didn't accept it. Because he never tried to explain it, or never tried to say why. And then, not so long ago, he died of cancer. Now, perhaps this is already resonating with you. Perhaps there is someone who you were once close with, and you had a falling out over some particular thing, and you lost touch, and then, horror of horrors, you found out that they died. And what does that do? You no longer have the opportunity to reconcile. And that hit Maury very, very hard. Listen. 
And now I feel so sad that I did not go to see and try to reconcile. So indeed, it's very important to get out of that stupid kind of hurt position where somebody disappointed you, so you give up. It pains me greatly. So forgiveness is so important, and we don't recognize it until it's too late. I'm sorry, I bought up the source of... No, bitch, tears are fine. Now, folks, I want to tell you that when you are afflicted with ALS, as Maury was, you don't really need reasons to cry. You know, you can pretty much pick any day of the any minute of the day and start to cry. When you need someone to carry you from place to place, when you need someone to turn your head so that you can see them, when you need someone to blow your nose for you, wipe your eyes for you, wipe your own rear end for you because you can't do it, you don't really need great rationale to start crying, right, Lisa? You can pretty much mm-hmm. yeah, just let it, let, yeah. let it go. But I have, to, I have to tell you that Maury's tears that followed as he told me this story were unlike any of the tears that I ever saw him cry for himself or for his situation or for his impending death. They were tears that ultimately began to come from his solar plexus, you know, the kind mm-hmm. that would rob you of your breath, the kind, <gasps> that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. and why, he said, why did I let that foolish argument separate us for all those years? It means nothing yep. to me now. Nothing to me now. All I wish is that He was here in front of me, and I could hold his hand, and I could tell him what a good friend he had been for all those other years. But I can't, and I I never will. And he Mm. looked me square in the eye, and he said, Mitch, if there is anybody, anybody who you are fighting with or you're feuding with, somebody you cared about or once cared about, let it go. Let it go. If you are 100% right, say you're wrong if it'll end it. Because when you get to where I am, and you will get to where I am, you're not going to care who was right or wrong. You only care that it's over. You're not going to think, oh, That's I never should truth. have apologized. I, I shouldn't have been the first one to apologize. I, I gave in too soon. I should None of that's going to matter. All that's going to matter is that person is there with you. The feud is behind you. It's washed away. But we make such a fuss over who is going to apologize first. Who's going to say, okay, you know what? I give, I give in. I'm wrong. And then notice how quickly when somebody does that. Ever notice this, Lisa? How quickly when someone says, you know what? This is crazy. What are we fighting for? I, I, I'm sorry. How quickly the other person says, I'm sorry too. If it was that easy, if it was that easy that you could, boom, I'm sorry, too. And it's right, it's right there on the tip of your tongue. What did it take you so long to make the first move for? If the other person answers like that, because there's always the fear that they're going to say, you're going to say, I'm sorry, 
I shouldn't have done what I did, and that they're going to come back with, yeah, well, you know, that's that really right. You shouldn't. Have. You shouldn't yeah. have done what you did, and then yeah. you're going to be shamed all over again. So you don't even want to open up that can of worms. Yeah. So you don't say anything, and he doesn't say anything, or she doesn't say anything, and then you're stuck where Maury yes. was. Yes, yes. It's horrible. But, it's hard. But I would argue that once you break that ice of the first apology, of the first asking for forgiveness, of the first, listen, I'm sorry, forgive me for what I did here. Even if the response comes back, well, you really hurt me, or you should be sorry, whatever. It's not the same. You've broken through. Now you've, you've already, you've let your guard down, and you've said, all right, I'm going to be the first one. Go ahead, slap me, slap me if, if, if mm-hmm. you want. And you get slapped. It doesn't hurt as bad as holding all that stuff inside. You have now made mm-hmm. the move. You've gone out there, and, and you said, "Well, all right, you know that's why I'm apologizing." And now you've moved. You've moved the argument. You've, you've you've shifted it. And even if it doesn't automatically go, "Oh, I'm sorry," to hug, hug, kiss, kiss, make up, all the rest of it, it doesn't go the the beautiful fairy tale way. You have still broken the ice. It'll start to fall apart. It will start to fall apart. But if you don't make that initial move, if somebody in that stalemate, isn't the first to make that initial move, the ice will harden like a frozen character, you know, and you will ultimately yep. <laughs> be turned into some statue of ice and you'll be left, as Maury was, heaving, heaving breath, heaving breath and tears for what you cannot make up for anymore. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I remember being told about a man whose wife died after many years. And at the funeral, standing by the grave, the man burst into tears. And he told the friend of mine who relayed this story, I loved her. I I loved her so much. And I almost told her a couple of times. And he was crying over the fact that he hadn't told her. And she was gone. Never, folks, let death be the final arbiter of your disagreement or the things that you didn't say. Don't leave it up to mortality to determine your disagreement. Mortality should not enter into whatever's going on between you and your loved one, you and your friend, mm-hmm. you and your partner. Don't say, well, all right, we'll, we'll just take this death to, we'll take it to the grave. We'll let death decide who wins. Whoever's still living at the end, whoever goes first loses. This isn't the Hatfields and the McCoys. This isn't, you shouldn't be involved in things that are feuds that go on forever and ever and ever and, 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 and are taken to the grave. Because when you get to that point where you're really looking back on your life or you're looking at your own mortality, you are going to wish that those people were part of your life. You will get no satisfaction, no satisfaction out of holding that grudge right to the end. Mm -hmm. And I'm amazed at how many people, Lisa, will, and I hear this at the holidays, are you going to see your family? Nah, uh, we're not getting along right now. What? Yeah, I know. You're not going for the holidays then because you're not getting along right now. We're uh, working some stuff out. So you're going to miss the holiday with your family because you don't want to be the first one to give in on whatever it is that's separating you. 
Have you encountered people like this? Oh, a lot. And not only that, but you you don't know what's going to happen four days after the holidays. That's you right. know, I mean, that's really the bottom line. You're like, well, if I don't go this Christmas, you always think, well, I have, you know, an infinite numbers, uh, a number of holidays to spend with them. Ah, uh, not always the case. No, that's I, right. I, and the older I get, the more I realize that. And I really, I mean, I extend olive branches as much as I possibly can. I have one friend who, I don't know, we broke up, I guess, a girlfriend <laughs> of mine and I broke up. Is that what it's called? And, when you, uh, right. Yeah, when you, when you have a friend breakup. And I didn't even know it until one day I saw that she had unfriended me on Facebook. And I reached out to her and she wrote me this like really horrible letter back. I reached back to her with apologies and tears and I'm sorry and let's fix this. Never heard from her again. So, I mean, I put that ball in her court. I apologize for something I didn't even realize I did. And nor at this point do I even think it was that big of a deal to be at this point. Hmm. But she's never, she's never, ever, ever won't talk to me. Yeah. And it, it, it hurts, you know. And I keep thinking, well, one day I wonder if something did happen to me, if she would ever after that point say, wow, maybe I should have talked. Because right. I've had the last three emails to her, you know. And, and, and it, it's always going to sit with me. That will sit with me forever, you know. Well, but you're, you're talking about a scorekeeping type of thing that goes on between people. And it's, it's a dangerous game to get into because when you start saying, well, I sent the last email or I sent the last, I've tried twice, so it's their turn. Yeah. <laughs> True. Okay. I guess that's right. I guess you can make justification in numbers, but sometimes you don't know when you tried, what kind of mood they were in, what might have been going right. on. You don't know if the first one got lost. I-, I can't tell you how many times in my life I have assumed that somebody wasn't answering me for a reason or, or, or deliberately was delaying. And then when I finally found out about it, it was like they changed phone numbers or they never got to text or they were in the hospital. Or, and I feel like an idiot. And I let all that time go mm-hmm. by thinking, boy, you know, a lot of nerve not answering me. And I, you know, I put myself right. out there and they're not getting back to me. A lot of nerve. And, and it's just just an assumption. So make a second phone call. Make a third phone call. What, what's so bad about it? There are wonderful quotes uh, out there, if you search in, on, on the subject of forgiveness, that are inspiring, I find, because you realize, and there's a universality to some of them, that forgiveness is a strength, not a weakness. Martin Luther King, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. Think about that. If you don't have the power to hmm. forgive, then you don't have the power to love. People who are religious will recognize this. There's a lot of tenets of this in Christianity and, and in, the, in the study of, the, of Jesus and in the study of the Old Testament as well. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. And when we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. All right, no less than hmm. Martin Luther King saying something like that. Uh, Gandhi, the weak can never forgive because forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. You notice a pattern here, people like Gandhi, people like uh, Martin Luther King, people who had much reason to hate. Their peoples Mm -hmm. were discriminated against, tortured, beaten, killed because of their skin color, because of their religious beliefs. And these are men, people, historical figures who are at the forefront of quotes about forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? The people who have every right to say, I'm a leader for my people, my people have been downtrodden, you, you have been taken advantage of, have been discriminated against, but hate. You think, you know, I don't need to forgive. What you did was reprehensible. No, they're the, they're the leaders 
in the spirit of forgiveness. And there's something to be learned by that. Forgiveness is a strength. It is not a weakness. It is not giving in, okay? Well, and you say that too about religious, you know, like a lot of religions, Christianity, I'm just thinking of right now off the bat. Uh, you know, for instance, that, that case recently of the female police officer that at the trial, the brother went to her and hugged her when the trial was over and said he forgave her. And that was like all a big thing right. in the news. Right. Uh, you know, so many people, I included, would have to think, wow, that would be really difficult. I don't know if I could be that person that could hug that woman after this long trial and say, I forgive you. How do you forgive that? It's really mm. difficult. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's such, it's, uh, it takes a lot. It, it, you know, it really takes a lot. It does take that strong person to be the person who is the person to say, I am really sorry or I forgive you. Right. But and there maybe are... it's just you have to have that spirituality in you or those religious beliefs that are so much stronger than your fear. Maybe that's Well, a... yes. May, uh, frequently, I think it's, it's based on religion and people following tenets uh, have been taught, yes, forgiveness is, is, is godliness and, and you need to do it. But there, are, there have been so many examples of this that have happened that are very inspiring. Uh, Louis Zamperini, remember him, uh, who was the World War II pilot whose bomber crashed into the ocean, uh, killing 80 to 11 people. And they wrote a, a book about him, made a movie about him, and he drifted in the Pacific Ocean for a long, long time. Mm, and then, mm -hmm. then he was immediately mm -hmm. captured by the Japanese military. He was held in captivity and prisoner of war camps. He was continually subjected to harsh and severe beatings by one particular prison guard. And during the time there, he talked about, you know, having uh, dreams. There were nightmares about uh, strangling the people who, had, who were his captors. But over time, he came to forgive them. Over time, he, ca he came to forgive them. He, he again, became a, a Christian and forgave his captors. And he said that his nightmares actually ended after all of that. There are many mm -hmm. examples of people who's, who's uh, like the one that you gave and who, who have, uh, whose family members have been murdered by somebody and at the courtroom where they're given a chance to stand up and say something. And frequently, of course, the temptation is to say, and justifiably so, you robbed me of my loved one, you have ruined my life right. forever. I hope you rot in hell. And many people do do that. But there are also many examples of people who at that moment say, hating you is not going to bring back the person who's gone. Hating you is not going to make me feel better. Hating you is only going to perpetuate the nightmare that I've already had to live through. So I am casting mm -hmm. this hate off of me. I forgive you. And that's what I mean by it takes great strength to sort of lift this hatred off of its comfortable place on your shoulders and say, no, I'm casting it out and I forgive you. And the people who stand on those witness stands and say that, the people who go visit the people in prison the, mm -hmm. who, who may have done something to them, the people who get out of prison after they were wrongfully accused and stayed in prison for oh, 20, 30, yeah. 40 years, missed Horrible. their entire lifetimes, and then come out and say, I'm not angry. I forgive the people who prosecuted me. I'm grateful to be out here now. You wonder, how do they do that? But that takes an enormous strength, a strength that is forged from suffering and the years that they suffered in there, and a realization that hatred doesn't make it better. Hating somebody over something that happened is a curved blade. And, you know, you go to stick it in them, and it sticks in you at the same time. 
And so forgiveness is how you get rid of that. And it's the reason that these stories are so inspiring that you see, and, and, and when we, we see them, we have almost a natural admiration for that, right? Because we know mm-hmm. deep down it's a strength. Now, when I sat with Maury and he talked about Norman and this uh, sculptor and forgiving him, or wishing that he had been able to uh, be forgiven by him, which he never had. So I said to him, uh, so what you're saying is it's very important that we forgive everybody everything. And he said, yes, forgive everybody everything. And write that down, because this is, if you're taking notes on the Tuesday People class, this is the, the single sentence of it, forgive everyone everything. And then he said, forgive yourself. Now, this is a different concept. Forgive yourself. And I said, well, what do you mean about forgiving yourself? And here's what he said. For all the mistakes you made, for all the things you did you shouldn't have, for all the things you did that you should have, forgive yourself. Don't get stuck on your regrets about what the things were that could have been different. It's all water under the bridge. So just leave it what it was. Forgive yourself and go on. Mm-hmm. If you get stuck in the past with all these unachieved or regretted things, you'll only be miserable. Now think about that, folks. How many times have you not forgiven yourself? How many times have you said to yourself, I'm no good, I'm I'm the worst kid in the family. I, I never lived up to my parents' expectations. Uh, I've never made anything of myself. I'm always second best. I never get that promotion. Every every woman or man that I've tried to fall in love with, uh, they've rejected me. Uh, I'm always the person chasing. Uh, why am I such a loser? Why am I fat? Why am I skinny? Why don't I look the way I want to look? Why haven't I achieved the things that I want to achieve? Why aren't I happier Well, one of the reasons you may not be happier is because you're constantly torturing yourself. You are constantly (laughs) torturing yourself over the things that you are not. And the one characteristic that you have not developed is self-forgiveness. Self-forgiveness. Even people who forgive other people quickly may not have the ability to forgive themselves. In fact, it may be tied together. They may always blame themselves. It's my fault. It's my fault. I'm the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I forgive you because I'm the bad guy. Well, that's not the same as, as having a heart full of forgiveness and just showering it on other people because your heart is not full of forgiveness for yourself. You need to right. let yourself off the hook. We hold ourselves to these amazingly high standards. And when we, we don't achieve them, we just get angry at ourselves. And we, mm-hmm. we, you know, it's almost like 40 lashes for me, 40 lashes for me. <laughs> I'm definitely that person. Yeah, well, <laughs> you got to let it me. go. I'm sorry. It's my fault. It's my fault. I did yeah. it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've been doing that since I was a little kid, I think, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, that probably I just feel sometimes it'll just calm the situation and deflect everything and you're you'll, you know. Yeah, okay. but but you see that's not really forgiveness. That's shifting of responsibility onto your shoulders because you don't want to 
perpetuate whatever is going on or whatever argument mm-hmm. is happening. But meanwhile, you've all you've done is you haven't cast anything away. Remember when I talked about lifting up and throwing it away? You haven't thrown it away. You just moved it over. You moved it over onto mm-hmm. your side. I'll take it on the other side of the teeter-totter. I'll take it over on my side. Now your side has just become twice as heavy. Now you're not only are you frustrated by a situation, but you can't even blame anybody else. You're going to blame yourself and you're not going to forgive yourself. And so you're going to be angry with yourself all the time. So self-forgiveness is critical. I asked Maury, you know, what in particular did he need to forgive himself for? Here's what he said. I should have written more books. Well, you're making up for that one. (laughs) I should have had a more open heart than I did have. More open? More open. It should have, you see. More open then than it is as compared to now. I should have appreciated what was being given to me. In a sense, I gave a lot, a lot, but I didn't let myself take it as much as I was being given back. Uh, I didn't develop my intellect as much as I could have. I could have been much uh, more, quote, brilliant, unquote, than I let myself be because I'd rather spend it on the heart rather than the head. Maybe I made the right choice anyway. Uh, I think that gives you a little sample of things. I've forgiven myself for. So forgive yourself is a major tenet of forgiveness, along with forgiving other people. And if you can manage to do the two things, if you can manage to be as forgiving to others as you are to yourself, recognizing when you were wrong, recognizing when they were wrong, and recognizing that in the end, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. You need to let both of yourselves off the hook. And that you, you know, don't want to go to your grave with, you know, you don't want to go with your grave holding grudges against others or against yourself. That's the truth. You know, though, my mom, it's, it's, it's become like a family joke. But my mom's final days, she was mad at the neighbor for something. And I won't even get into the whole story here, but she got mad at her neighbor. And so while my mom was dying in those last two weeks, I kept saying, do you want me to go tell her you know, maybe you should see her. You guys need to talk this out. And my mom, I'm not going to talk to her. I don't need to talk to her. You know, she can go to H-E double hockey sticks. You know, she didn't even, she, she was not into forgiving her. And the poor woman next door, my parents' living room was, you know, their house is very close to the house next door. I could see the woman standing in her bathroom, which would mean she would have to stand on top of her bathtub, looking through her bathroom window into my mom's living room knowing that something was happening because, you know, there were cars in and out all day long um, for two weeks. And she would just be staring into the living room where my mom was laying in a bed. And I'd be like, she's looking at you, mother. Let me call her. I don't want to talk to her. Went to, went to her grave with that. Walked into the funeral home. The first big, gigantic thing of flowers right next to my mom's casket 
from the neighbor. I looked at my mom there in the casket and I said, look, look, look at right there. Do you feel bad now that you didn't say anything to her? Like the woman, pretty much the woman I think is clueless. I don't think the woman even knew that my mom was mad at her. But my mom went holding that grudge right to the end. (laughs) And it was a dumb thing. It was really stupid. It was a stupid reason. It was a stupid fight. It, It did not warrant it, but I don't know. She well, held out no, like a bulldog. And no amount of flowers is going to settle that grudge, uh, no matter <laughs> no. when they come, no matter how big they are. So if we've learned anything today, it's take care of these issues now while you can. So it's a few weeks to go before the holidays. Think about if this is a grudge that has gone on for a while. Think about how you felt last holiday when you went through the holidays and it was not resolved. And then ask yourself, do you really want to feel that way again? Or is it worth it to you to maybe just make the first step, recognize that what we're saying here, what Maury is saying here, is it's not going to matter who gave in. You're never going to remember that. Think about the arguments that you've had in your life with the people who you've loved that ultimately were settled. Do you really remember who gave in first, or do you just remember that they were settled? I mean, we tend to forget the... That's a good point. Yeah, you don't remember who was... Oh, now I think back in it, I said this. (laughs) Nobody remembers who said what. They just remember remember we used to be... Remember we had that fight over that? I'm glad we settled that. And you don't remember how Mm -hmm. it was settled. You just remember that it was settled. Well, that's where you want to be. You want to be at the point where it is settled. And so as we approach these holidays, with all the other things that they do to us, the sentimentality, the... uh, the, the commerciality, the affection, the Christmas songs, uh, the nostalgia, whatever else. Let yourself be overwhelmed, perhaps, with a, a spirit of forgiveness. Now, you know, it has the word give in it. We're always talking about the spirit mm. of giving. But forgiving, the spirit of forgiving, mm. is really a bigger spirit of giving than any present or flower arrangement or anything else that you're going to give to someone else. The greatest gift that you can give to someone you love if you are embattled with them is to forgive them and is to ask for forgiveness for yourself and start again and let Maury sort of sum this up as we wrap up here forgive yourself forgive others and ask for forgiveness if you have to and it drains the bitterness of a relationship when you do that you can start in a clean way or continue in a clean way depending on where you are. And the same thing with regrets. Don't get stuck on your regrets because you can live a life of regret and not live your current life because you're so preoccupied with your past mistakes. So that's going to do it for this edition of Tuesday, people. We're glad you were able to join us here. We do this once a week on Tuesdays. Uh, We release it. Makes sense. And uh, there's interesting ways to become part of our community here at Tuesday People. Lisa? Well, we have our Tuesday People Facebook group that's very active right now. It's the Tuesday People group page. And now we have our Tuesday People storyline. It's our phone number that you can call, 248-621-4701, If you have an inspirational story to tell, some unique experience or a perspective on something that we talked about, any questions that you would have asked, you know, like to have asked Maury, you know, share them with us on our phone line. Either we'll play those clips directly from the phone line, or sometimes we may even call you to have a further discussion with you on something. 
It's all part of being uh, connected, which is what Maury was about. And uh, he and I connected. That book, Tuesdays with Maury, connected with other people. My new book, Finding Chica, which is out now, is, is kind of doing the same thing about people with their children. And I've been so pleased by the way that people have reacted to that. So you can learn many things from unlikely sources. And we hope you've learned a few things with us today about the subject of forgiveness. Until we see you next Tuesday, on behalf of Lisa Goich, this is Mitch Album wishing you a wonderful week. And see you when Tuesday People assembles again in one week's time. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.